Welcome to Think Free with Stephen and Daniel, two brothers breaking down ideas and ways of thinking about this thing we call life. Unlock your mind to explore more than you ever thought possible. Think Free. All right, let's jump into talking about biases today. Let's get going. So we're looking at cognitive biases. A cognitive bias, as defined by this website that we found, is a systemic thought process caused by the tendency of the human brain to simplify information processing through a filter of personal experience and preferences. The filtering process is a coping mechanism that enables the brain to prioritize and process large amounts of information quickly. While the mechanism is effective, its limitations can cause errors in thought. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that definition of a cognitive bias, Daniel, based on your experience or how you would have defined it? Does that seem to capture it? I would say so. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I would say that that was a lot longer of an explanation <laughs> than I would give for the definition. Okay. I do want to interject that uh, for uh, copyright and legality reasons, we will have the uh, link to this website in the uh, show notes description of the okay. show so that people can go take a look if they want as well. And um, give credit where credit is due. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the uh, definition, yeah, of cognitive bias uh, is definitely there as far as your personal experiences and your preferences um, and being potentially unaware of those preferences mm-hmm. and experiences having a uh, effect on the way that you think and decide interact with the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say for me, when I was introduced to this in the, in the most comprehensive format came in when I started engaging, uh, in online debates with people, I've been introduced to some of these concepts before, but I think that's where it really first stood out to me or I, I interacted with biases on a regular level was trying to have discussions with people, mostly on Facebook about a topic, political or religious topic, and running into times when they would call me out and say, you're just displaying this form of bias and you're not seeing your own, you know, your own lens or your own filter that you're perceiving this through. And if you would just realize that you're having a bias here, you'd realize that you were wrong was essentially the message I felt like I kept getting. And so that put me down this rabbit hole of kind of discovering and, and analyzing my biases much more acutely and then seeing them in other places as well. So I know it's been around for a long time, but I'm just saying that's kind of when I yeah. first engaged with it as Showed a concept up in your life. Yeah. 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 And that, that was probably 10 years ago now. Um, it's been more so ever since more and more awareness gained more and more mm-hmm. growing of it. So, well, and I think, yeah, it's, um, Probably like some of the topics we were talking about earlier, I think it uh, the ability to be able to identify and admit comes with some maturity and right. life experiences as well. Right. Having other people point it out to you and reflect back to you. And yeah, and being willing, yeah, being willing to have an open mind that you may have those biases mm-hmm. or that there may be there. Um, when I was doing a little bit of... Uh, reading up on this topic to get prepared for this, I just came across some quotes from uh, Neil deGrasse DeGrasse Tyson, Mm -hmm. uh, where he states, one of the great challenges in life is knowing enough about a subject to think you're right, Mm -hmm. but not enough about the subject to know you're wrong. Mm -hmm. So I kind of thought that that was a, a good connection to the bias part that we're talking about that you think of something as you feel like you have enough knowledge, just enough knowledge, kind of like we were talking about last week, if even being enough knowledge to be a little dangerous right, uh, in right. that topic. And so then you feel like uh, you're an expert, but you actually don't know enough about it to know that you don't know right. really right. anything about it. Um, and so then that's going to create some some biases in, in your uh your mind as well as you're thinking through the process if you're not realizing that there is so much more in every single topic for you yeah. to learn <laughs> yeah yeah and sneak peek ahead we're going to look at a list of biases and the one that you're referring to is called the dunning kruger effect oh yeah so okay we'll get to that here in a minute and expand on it yeah you're absolutely right that's that's one of the prevalent ones mm-hmm. and it's also one of the ones that's a hard 
hard to self-assess, mm-hmm. hard to notice yeah. in ourselves. Um, and, and most of these are, they're biases because they are hidden, they're, they're unfamiliar. The classic definition is, so like, or comparison, I should say, is does a fish know that it's wet? Can you mm-hmm. describe water mm-hmm. to a fish? And that's what biases are for us as humans. They're things that we just take as as givens. We just take it as self-evident. That's the way it is. Uh, and what discussing or analyzing our biases does is it helps us just see the water that's around us. And I want to point out somewhat as a caveat, I think when I was first introduced to cognitive biases, I saw them as a negative thing or something to be dismissed or something to work past or to get over or mm-hmm. to move beyond. And I don't know that that's necessarily possible or even really desirable. Um, my goal now and point of having this conversation would be for us to just increase our awareness mm-hmm. and not so much in other people. Cause that's the easy route. Ah, I see which one that you're doing <laughs> right. right now. Um, more so for our own selves and our own, uh, ability to perceive what we're saying from the from an accurate standpoint and not just assume i'm right because of this so if we're aware of what bias we're operating under or we can at least know that hey this sounds like a bias that i have i think it can yield more productive self-discovery and more productive conversations with other people yeah yeah absolutely probably in uh very much the same way as as realizing and understanding and accepting that we tell ourselves stories and exactly. we're playing games yes. that we're playing. And so just as much as you don't have to just say, Oh yeah, I can't have any bias. Mm-hmm. It's just recognizing, Oh, in this moment or in this situation or in this theory or this belief or this thought process, right. There's probably going to be some experiences that I've had in the past or some things have been taught about this subject. That's going to sway influence, what influence yeah. yeah. How I think about it or what do I do about it. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And what, uh, we're going to go through a list here and just uh, talk about the various things that the author of this website, which again, we'll link in the notes, uh, has identified as the most common or the current understandings of different types of biases. And I like the way they introduce it. They say it's a continually, continually evolving list. Mm-hmm. And it's been identified over the last six decades of research. And so I think it's great to say there isn't a comprehensive list of here's all the biases. It's just, here's what we've discovered so far. Mm -hmm. Here's the ones that we've been able to identify. There might be other lists out there that have some overlap or there's a few that we might miss. So not meant to be a comprehensive list at all. Uh, This would probably hit on the vast majority of the most common ones, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we jump into it then? Yeah. Okay. So the first one is called actor observer bias. And this is the tendency for an individual to credit their own situation to external causes while ascribing other people's behaviors to internal causes. Uh, this was, uh, when I read this one, when I was doing mm-hmm. the, the prep, I, I literally laughed out loud when Did I was you? reading this one. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, Oh my gosh. Yep. I see that all over the place and myself and other people like just, you know, I, up until you sent me this article, I honestly had never um, spent time uh, even looking into biases. Mm. And so I probably only knew or had heard of maybe two or three of these or have paid attention or cared about. So it was quite interesting. You had to go through these. And so that actor observer, I could definitely relate to that and see it. I found it pretty funny. Awesome. Awesome. Any examples spring to mind in yourself or anybody else? Or- yeah, I just i th- i I think it's easy for us as a species to be able to use this bias because then we don't have to look inwards mm-hmm. and try to correct um, the actual issue. And um, then uh, on top of that, flinging the responsibility on other people for their situation and not giving them the same type of thought process, um, again, even reinforces you on those other topics that, Oh yeah, well I, 
you know, struggled with this because of these external sources, but I'm not even giving that same courtesy to the person yeah. over there. It's just because, you know, they're homeless because they didn't do what they were supposed to, or right. they don't have enough money to buy those because they made these choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when it's, oh my gosh, I, gas is so expensive. I'm not no sure I'm going to be able to do this. It's all the Bidenomics or it's mm-hmm. Trump's fault or it's something that's going on, the war right. in Ukraine or whatever. And so it's always external when it's talking about you. So I was just laughed because I just immediately was like, oh, kind of a slap in the face. <laughs> going, yep, I yeah. can see that 100%. <laughs> Check. Yep. <laughs> First one on yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like I was having to go, oh, okay, this is, what, what would that look like? I was just like, well, instantly. Yep, instantly. Made sense. Yeah. I'll read the definition one more time. The actor observer bias, the tendency for an individual to credit their own situation to external causes while ascribing other people's behavior to internal causes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm right there with you. All right, the next one on the list is anchoring bias, the tendency for the brain to rely too much on the first information it received when making decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, this is the one that stuck out to me as, as an easier one to see from a more of an evolutionary standpoint of how our brains would have needed to adapt, um, adapt these biases or assume these biases or incorporate these biases, uh, for survival. Some of mm-hmm. them are a little harder to, to, to suss that out. But yeah. This one, uh, kind of like they said in the inter- introduction, um, we don't always have the convenience of going, being able to go and do research on a topic before we have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, something as simple as, you know, is that is that river rushing too fast for me to cross it, or can I make it safely across? You pretty much would have to just rely on just the first information you receive yeah. from that, uh, you know, versus going and taking samples and find a stick and push it down to see how deep it is. Yeah. You may be in a situation where you have to cross that river quickly or keep moving. And so what are the, what are the rapids look like? I'm going to rely on that information solely. Yeah. Or like the, the, the wind wrestling, the, the, the branches, the branches and right. the, you know, all the leaves and the bush. Mm-hmm. Is it a lion? Like, or it's just that's, the wind. Yeah. yeah. If that's the first information that you're taught and trained of, Hey, mm-hmm. when this happens, this is a predator coming towards you. So you need to get the heck out of there. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that can work against us then if there is an opportunity to make, uh, to do more research on a situation or to at least consult other sources, obviously do research. We probably do a whole podcast on how that's over. Right. <laughs> uh, something as simple as you hear one news article from one slanted news source mm-hmm. and you take that as all right. there is to know about the subject. Um, mm-hmm. So what if you took instead of maybe a way to counteract the anchoring bias might be to say, I want to find somebody who I know is going to have a different slant on this topic and just hear what they say. Yeah. Well, and to the, with the definition there of, uh, saying the tendency for the brain to rely too much on the first information Mm -hmm. it received when making decisions then makes me think like, Oh yeah. And that's also, yeah, you hear that one news uh, channel state that. And so then boom, there's your there's your rock that you're standing on and that's what you believe and so then no matter what other information even if you're regardless if you're searching for it researching it or not even just you come in contact with that other type of new information you're already resistant to it because you have this bias yeah, because it's been anchored in mm-hmm. yeah that's true that's true so it may be a helpful step to notice that could happen or it does happen or it's likely to happen and not to give um not to give more weight to something just because it's the first thing Mm -hmm. because your brain's tendency is to give more weight to it. The second thing is going to get a little less weight. The third thing is going to get a little less weight. And, and the, the second and the third and the fourth are, um, for you to accept those, they're basically challenging the premise and the belief of the first one. So, Whereas before you just simply didn't know, mm-hmm. oh, the the leaves making noise, I don't know what that is. It doesn't matter. And then when someone tells you, oh, it's a predator, oh my gosh. Now when someone's like, oh no, there's thing called wind, the air, there's atmosphere, you're having to break down the possi- break down the belief that no, it's always a predator when right. those leaves are doing that. Right. And so that's I think even challenge more of a challenge too, because yeah. Yeah. And vice versa. 
Uh, if you were first thing you were told is it's always the wind, don't worry about it. And then somebody else says, no, right. no, it could be a tiger. Now, oh, come on. I've, I've been all, only always been told that it's just the wind. Right. It'd be, it's going to be a harder stretch, whichever direction you need to go yes. to incorporate the new information because of the first thing you were told. And, and then <laughs> and then you layer, God, I don't know how we're going to get through all these, but, <laughs> and then you layer on, um, human ability for corruption mm. and money into that. Right. And so then there's Taking all advantage of, of it. Right. And then there's, you get this new information and oftentimes we see, or there is motivation behind a certain uh, narrative that's being tossed or, or yeah. communicated or whatever, not always, but there's just, that is there. So then it's even a, another layer on top of it that makes it, uh, challenging for someone that already has this anchoring bias to then also move forward is because they're not only just going to be challenging to think, oh, they don't know what they're talking about or they're wrong, but oh, they're manipulating me. There's actually a malicious reason why they're wanting me to change my belief. Yeah. Somebody's using the fact that they know this happens for their own mm -hmm. financial gain. Right. Yeah. Or, or power gain, political yeah. gain. Yeah. Yeah. Any number of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next one. Okay. Attentional bias is the tendency for an individual to pay attention to a single object or idea while deviating from others. I think another way you could say this is maybe having blinders on. Mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you're just laser focused on only one thing and you're ignoring other stimulation. Yeah. Things that might be contrary to that or suggest nuances yes. to the idea. And, and all of this simply can be explained by just uh, conser conservation of energy too. All of these biases tend to help us be somewhat efficient with the information that's right in front of us because it's, that's, it's all for survival, for survival yeah. and for you know, just uh, budgeting out how much energy am I going to spend in a given day on, on processing power for, for all the input that I'm getting and all the decisions that I have to make. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, so tendency for an individual to pay single attention, single object while deviating from others. Anything you want to add about that one? No, I think you covered it. Okay. Availability bias, the tendency for the brain to conclude that a known instance is more representative of the whole than is actually the case. Hmm. So I would I would say that so yeah, you're looking at an an event that happens and But like a singular event. Singular event, uh -huh. yeah. Um, and you think, well, that must be how it happens most of the time. Yeah. Because of your particular experience and exposure to that event. Uh -huh. um, so we live in a, a fairly small city, you know, compared to larger cities in the world. And so then something like traffic for us, when we say, man, the traffic was bad today. Right. <laughs> and then somebody who's lived in other areas who has 10x that or 20x mm -hmm. of that traffic will just laugh and be like, oh, well, you just your experience with traffic is minimal yes. compared to other places in the world where traffic is a huge problem mm -hmm. or, you know, name any other type of cultural or social thing that uh, scales differently in different areas. So yeah, the availability that we have to be exposed to traffic on a regular basis is, is a small subset is a microcosm right. of what's out there. Right. Yeah. And then if someone was yeah to generalize that, to mm -hmm. say that, that, Oh man, that's how it is everywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So travel could be a great way to, to expand this bias or mm -hmm. to minimize this bias, I would say, because you're exposed to the way things, people do things differently all over the world. And dinner doesn't mean what I think dinner means to people in a different part of the world. Right. Right. Well, I think, uh, what we've already kind of talked about on, on these five that we've, we've hit so far, four that we've hit already, mm -hmm. as well as, um, last week, with Isaiah talking about atheist and agnostic mm. and continuing to search, I think of that same thing, like always be curious, <laughs> like, mm. you know, yeah. with all these biases, if you have these biases, um, but you are, are willing to learn, willing to seek and learn new things. Um, and then the, the quote that I quoted to, from Neil to also be able to realize, even though I know so much about this subject, whatever it is, I don't know nothing and I need <laughs> to um, 
be willing to admit that and open to new information coming yes. for it. And so, yeah. Stay humble, stay curious yeah. through all of these. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, just to point out that these are organized uh, alphabetically, the author of this just Mm-hmm. Had to put them out. So that's how we're going through them. There isn't any other kind of structure or hierarchy that we're using here. So uh, the next one has the same word at the beginning availability heuristic instead of availability bias. And the availability heuristic says that's the tendency to use information that comes to the mind quickly when making decisions based on the future. That one's a little bit harder for me to wrap my brain around. I, th- I think what it's saying, if I were to try to restate it, is that in the moment when we have to make a, a quick decision, we tend to prioritize the first thing that pops into our mind mm-hmm. or the information that is at the ready to be able to... Which may not be decision. accurate or the best in right. that moment. Right. right. Yeah. So we might you know, look at somebody who is always doing their first impulse without taking a moment. Um, I think we've all heard a popular quote going around something along the lines of, you know, your power is, is in the time it takes for an action to happen or an event to happen in your reaction to it. And that your power is in the, in the moment between those, mm-hmm. how long that you make that. And so maturity can be defined as extending that moment from an event to a reaction and then being able to process through and think, okay, my initial reaction was to do X. Is that really what I want? Is that really what's best? Is that really the game I want to play, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe there's a Y or a Z or some other. Yeah. And maybe you come back to X and your first impulse was the the impulse. Um, an availability heuristic bias, though, would be you don't realize that. You don't take the time. You're just quick fire off the first thing that pops into your head. That's how I understand it. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. makes sense to you, too? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, okay. uh, while you were talking, I just uh, got the definition for heuristic because okay. I didn't know myself. And so it said, involving or enabling discovery of problem solving through methods such as experimentation, evaluation, and trial and error. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's it's uh, saying that same thing of basically not doing those things is what you would be doing if you had this bias in that Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be logically going through the uh, problem solving of doing the experimentations, the valuations and the trials and errors is just a quick, Oh, the first thing that came snap judgment. Yeah. And maybe the trial and error is just in your head running a simulation of, if I say this, what's the outcome going to (laughs) be? Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Moving on to the bees. And now the, bandwagon effect the tendency for the brain to conclude that something must be desirable because other people desire it this is mm. pretty evident one i think we social know, media social media yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we might call it the you know the sheep sheep effect mm-hmm. people being sheeple where they they conclude that something is desirable because the masses are doing it right Pink Stanley mugs is the thing right yeah. now, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so funny. I think our dad probably had one of those old green ones. Oh, I know. Popping up. Yeah. I know. It's <laughs> the craziest it. thing. It is. Yeah. Just yeah. so fun. Fun little uh, thing to observe right now. <laughs> yes. So the classic example, the bandwagon effect. You got to have a pink or a red Stanley tumbler right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or uh, rooting for any Seattle team. You know, mm-hmm. same thing. Because yeah. you're near there. Yeah. Yeah. Or a political party, because you've always yeah. been on their side, and the people that um, you like or admired that they're on that same team. Mm-hmm. Uh, bias blind spot is the next one. The bias blind spot is the tendency for the brain to recognize another's bias, but not its own. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't have this one. <laughs> <laughs> no. Which would be the definition of it. Yeah. I know. Okay. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Bias blind spot, the tendency for the brain to recognize another's bias, but not its own. It probably like, I would say that's like the meta bias maybe is that the hardest thing for us to do. It's easy enough to, to memorize these and to spot them on other people, like we said at the beginning, but uh, to then be able to reflect on ourselves and say, yeah. oh, am I, am I exercising that bias right now? Is that bias coming to, to bear and how I'm perceiving this, having this conversation? Mm-hmm. That's sort of well, I think it's interesting too, because you think about like, even that, like the interperspective portion of that, of kind of looking, oh, do I have a bias? It seems like the time that you would do that, if you were, had the maturity and the wherewithal to do that in the moment, um, may be most likely when there's 
already like an issue with that or something's happening with it. So Mm -hmm. it's not maybe, um, it, it might not, I would imagine that it wouldn't most, most likely would not just happen when say you were just watching a news channel, unless maybe it's a really volatile uh, topic and a very controversial uh, and you have a very strong opinion, but it just seems like that the introspective process may even be, you know, you're getting in an argument with somebody, you're getting in a fight with a spouse or you're having an issue at work. And so then most of the time when you're just simply living and making decisions, especially when they're not hurting you or causing pain, Mm. you don't have necessarily a tendency to look introspectively, but because we are such a connected species and uh, we really like communities. So then when other people are interacting and what they are doing has an effect on us. And especially if it's, we allow it or perceive it to be a negative effect, we're then going to label that of going, Oh, the reason they did that is because they have this bias. They have a bias. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So in isolation, it's not as crucial of an issue you're saying. It's just, well, I think it it might be harder for us to even think like question ourselves in that moment of just making a decision when it's not something that's creating and not a negative effect, like being in a uh, argument with the spouse, that's a negative effect. Like you're not wanting that Mm -hmm. to happen. And so then you may, if you're mature and it's a spot where um, a healthy spot, be able to then look inside yourself and then be like, Oh yeah, I'm having these biases. This is how I'm reacting. This is what I'm doing. Um, and so I would, I'm, I guess the whole thing as I'm saying is it seems like it's yes, um, uh, to that one, it, it seems like the, which one are we doing? Oh yeah. The bias, uh, blind spot. Blind spot. Um, we, I think we have that because we're not looking at ourselves so much because other people's actions are also affecting us. And then we can simply identify and put a label on it. We may do that to ourselves when we are causing ourselves our own pain and our own issues. But if we don't have the immediate like pain or problem right there in the the moment, it seems like there wouldn't really be a reason for you to think about introspectively naturally. It's working for me. Why am I going to challenge it? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Good. All right. Uh, Here's another one that I think is fairly uh, popular. It's the clustering illusion. The tendency for the brain to want to see a pattern in what is actually a random sequence of numbers or events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's a, just a flood of examples come to my yes. mind in that one. Uh, I think that's one that I probably notice in myself uh, more easily than some of these other ones when I find myself doing that. When I want to, I mean, it can be as simple as the numerology of of the Bible or something like that. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, you add up all the Greek letters and you divide by seven, then it tells you some secret code that God put in there. Um, Or even our ancient civilizations podcast about the circumference of, you know, of the pyramids and things like that. Yes, it does does connect to those. And, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah. Yeah. So it, it would be, uh, I think it would be a clustering illusion would be an insistence or maybe a, a, um, un, undisputable, you take it as an undisputable fact that there are patterns everywhere. We just need to find them or mm. that patterns mm-hmm. are hidden or by God or by ancient civilizations or by aliens or something like that, that there are things out there for us to find like a treasure hunt. If only we have the tools and the skills to, to go and uncover them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think this is saying that there's no, there's no patterns or sequences. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It's just saying yeah. that our brain tends to default to trying to find them when oftentimes there aren't. And right. it's, it is just random chaos. Uh-huh. So yeah. to be aware of that. Yes. To be yeah. aware that our brains tend towards that. They're, yeah. Tend to want to have some order to right. chaos. That's and right. so if yeah. he can make sense of why all these numbers are there and it's like, oh, yeah, and probably like we talked about too, where you you feel like you got a little bit of the upper hand mm-hmm. too, then yeah, like, you're yeah, a little smarter than everybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I figured out the puzzle. Yeah, two serves two two things there at mm-hmm. once. 
Uh, maybe the most important one, especially when it comes to arguing with people, is the next one is confirmation bias. The tendency for the brain to value new information that ex- supports existing ideas. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if you start out an argument or a conversation with somebody and you've already got a pretty good idea of how you think about the subject or what you feel, um, it tends to, our brain tends to value or gravitate towards or see more clearly what we would call new information that already supports what we think. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's often can be tricky to parse that out if we already are looking for ways to confirm what we think. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of work to place value on new information that doesn't support our idea. Some, and then sometimes I can go back to the, to the budgeting of resources thing. Like I mm-hmm. just don't have the energy right now or in my life, or I just plain out don't want to go find contradictory ideas that mm-hmm. don't confirm my bias because that would take a lot of work and a lot of energy to rethink and to admit that I was wrong and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think that's this one. Maybe it's just me, but it, it tends to be one of the, the hardest ones to overcome. Not necessarily to see, but yeah. Um, and I think changing your mind and your view on something that has in the past been very important to you mm-hmm. is pain, often painful. It is. And so, um, to have a, a confirmation bias, uh, to uh, surround yourself in you know an echo chamber of, of people that believe and feel the same exact ways on these uh, subjects as you do, is safe, easy, comfortable, comfortable. Yeah, I would I'd say the way Isaiah would say it would be it requires some ego death yes. to challenge your confirmation yes. bias. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right, so the next one is the one that I mentioned at the beginning that Neil deGrasse Tyson was referring to, is the Dunning-Kruger effect. The tendency for an individual with limited knowledge or competence in a given field to overestimate their own skills in that field. Mm -hmm. And I would add to that, because they don't know what they don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so this is another common thing that I think we all run into if we're going to debate a topic online or even in person. very few of us have enough knowledge about a particular topic to speak intelligently about it. But what this effect is, is that we don't know that. We mm-hmm. don't realize that we don't have enough knowledge. And so we just talk about what we know and are, are ignorant of the things that we don't know. And so that can put us in a spot to, yeah, just not not get to the same conclusion as if we were aware of our own ineptness or had some humility about what we don't know about the thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that if we were to, if we were able to um, very accurately break down uh, humans uh, over the whole world, I think we would find in all of the different subjects available that there is very few, very few. experts yes, in any field. I agree. And to that point, I would say the, my reaction to this would be, and that doesn't mean just because you're not an expert doesn't mean you can't have an opinion. Right. Doesn't mean you can't debate and and share your experience or share your perspective. I would just think that the, the Dunning Kruger effect, if noticed and, and incorporated, would give us a healthy amount of humility and holding it loosely when we do have those conversations right. uh, to not confuse ourselves with experts and doesn't disqualify you from having the conversations because you're not an expert. One of the things that comes to mind for me was uh, the debates surrounding how we were, how we should as a society react to COVID, especially in the earlier days when there was a lot of um, misinformation and lack of information and a lot of people trying to figure things out. And so some of the, what I saw was, Hey, if you aren't a trained microbiologist, you don't, you're not allowed to have an opinion about where you sh- whether you should wear a mask or not. And I disagreed with that. I thought it's public forum, especially public spaces like the internet, Facebook, Reddit, whatever, you know, have the debates, have the discussions, say your thing, talk about what you remember from ninth grade biology if, if you want, and acknowledge that you probably shouldn't have the ear of the president to make policy either, yeah. if that's the extent of your knowledge about that. Um, 
Well, and if you we do it correctly and respectfully and kindly, you're yes. going to learn a whole lot right. while having that conversation on Reddit or Facebook too. Yeah, if you keep an open mind and right. say, this is the extent of my knowledge. I know I don't know a lot, but mm-hmm. based on what I do know, this is what makes sense to me. Yeah. And, so, and I, I've seen that too, uh, especially even uh, through the, the COVID years from you in your mm-hmm. own personal Facebook post of, of saying, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I've, what I'm thinking. I, I would love it. Not challenging people, but right. inviting people into your space to say, Hey, I don't know enough about this. What are you guys seeing? Cause I just, I can't get on. I don't, I can't understand this or I don't get behind it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And it, that's what I think is a, was a helpful pop posture for me was not to shy away from engaging in the concept or the conversation at all because I'm not an expert because I didn't go to four years mm-hmm. or eight years of schooling on the topic. And yet at the same time, if we can have that posture, then yeah, hopefully we can all grow. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't want the, the doing the Dunning Kruger effect bias to keep people from engaging at the level that they are at, as long as they're willing to recognize they're at that level. Right. And maybe we can't even accurately know what level we're at because of the Dunning-Kruger effect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Next would be the false consensus effect, the tendency for an individual to overestimate how much other people agree with them. Interesting. Mm. This one feels like social media is just made for social media. Yeah. Yeah. And even even, uh, in person, like I wonder how, how many like, head nods or like, yeah, it's like add to that right. where it may give a false, yeah, a consensus. false sense of that. They think that somebody is yeah, agreeing with them. Interesting. Maybe just being polite, mm-hmm. doing right. some social niceties, mm-hmm. yeah, which then reinforces that you're right about that topic. Uh huh. Maybe you just have a forceful personality and people are intimidated to contradict you. Right. So that yeah, yeah. reinforces you. Uh, the next one would be the framing effect, the tendency for the brain to arrive at different conclusions when reviewing the same information, depending on how the information is presented. That's dangerous. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Say more about that. Um, I think the tendency for the brain to arrive at different conclusions when reviewing the same information, depending on how the information is presented. Well, I think that... Uh, could be used very nefariously. I see, kind of going uh, back to what you said about corporations. Corporations, governments, right. yeah, political, religious uh, institutions. Um, you know, you, you want somebody to believe something, climate change, Jesus dying on the cross, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, many people in the human history have found very successful ways to communicate specific information framing to, by to framing, framing it, it yeah framing way. it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The way they're putting this yeah it comes it comes to mind to me some of the ways that um different food products have been marketed to specifically the western or u.s population mm-hmm. over the mm-hmm. years whether it be milk or or sugar or fat sugar, sugar uh-huh. fats right so that the info they don't necessarily lie but they frame their their marketing in such a way that you know Milk house calcium and, and calcium mm-hmm. has been linked right. to stronger bones. Yes. Therefore, yeah. if you drink milk, you'll have strong bones. Yep. Yep. And and there may not necessarily be scientific data and they may not be saying that straight out, but the way that it's framed, mm-hmm. that's the conclusion. But if you review the information that shows that overindulging in milk can actually cause your bones to weaken and crumble, <laughs> and farmers that have had, you know, discs and hernias you know, for generations, dairy farmers, because they drank too much milk, then that's, you know, going to bring you to a different conclusion because it's framed differently. Yes. Yep. Yeah. All right. Functional fixedness. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Functional fixedness. The tendency to see objects as only being used in one specific way. So I don't, I don't know if this is as pervasive as some of the other ones, but I could see. Fixedness. Fixedness. Why did fixedness. I add an extra syllable? There? That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Functional fixedness. Thank you. Uh-huh. The tendency to see objects as only being used in one specific way. Hmm. What do you think it's me their meaning by objects? Um, I think probably just physical things that like we TV? interact with. Yeah. Or a, okay. a hammer or a oh. car. It's so like a kind of go like maybe you'd be 
yeah, less inventive or something like if you have that, or I don't know if I'm yeah. mudding this, but like, like just saying like, this is its only purpose. Right. Right. Not having a, a very creative mind mm-hmm. or being kind of rigid in your application okay. of how an object can be used. Yeah. Being a lot more black and white, black and white, yeah. not nuanced, not open to thinking of things in a third way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Could be a bias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably come up less in a, in a discussion other than, you know, maybe if somebody was was being, you know, again, again, we're just rigid in how they wanted to try to solve a problem and not being willing to expand the uh, the usageness of a tool or something. Like that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that playing out, like with like climate change going green, getting rid mm. of combustible engines, electric. Right. Like, I could right. see that kind of being in that type of a scenario where. Uh, somebody has a yeah. We can't can't do anything because this is the only way this will help us right. or something. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Groupthink is another one that I think is very popular, very understandable. We all have run into this or heard about it. The tendency for the brain to place value on consensus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess my probably my pet peeve with this that springs to mind would be. You know, the science is settled, I think, is an example of a groupthink bias because it says consent. And we've touched on this before, but science isn't consensus. Uh, Science can provide consensus once there's been enough experimentation done. And a scientist can say, yes, up to this point, based on the information we have until further testing is done to show us something. Otherwise, we agree that this is the way things are. Mm -hmm. Um, And then to say based on that consensus, the science is settled and we should no longer look at the problem or try to find other explanations or ways to solve it. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, I was just looking through the other ones as you were saying that it seems like that group think uh, bias, you would probably have four or five biases that are kind of together, like um, the cluster or no, um, or I lose it. Sorry. Oh, the bandwagon effect. Bandwagon, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then confirmation bias. Yeah. Confirmation bias. Yeah. It just seems like you could, they all are a little bit unique. I can see why they have them differentiated here. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, you could see how it, man, you really are in the throes of it. When, if you would like added two or three of those ones together, mm. It's levels like, deep. Yeah, yeah, like it levels it up as mm-hmm. far as how anchored you are in that position then when right. you're coming from all of these. And how hard it might be to notice that you're yeah. operating from a right. bias. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's thinking it. This thing that we're doing is a good thing. Um yeah. Yeah. So once you start layering these, they have a almost a compounding effect. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. they reinforce mm-hmm. each other. And I and I think that group think with a few of those other ones are really easy to group together. Right, right. Have a powerful effect yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next one it's called the halo effect. The tendency for a person's impression in one area to influence an opinion in another area. <clears throat> another area. And so this I think the reason they use the word halo, this is a, maybe a little bit of a vanilla definition. I've heard it, it expressed in um, another way that has a little bit more of a, a judgment added to it, that the halo is like, um, this is a good thing. So it's a good thing over here, so it must be a good thing over there. It's always a good thing whenever it shows up because it was a good thing in this one experience. Mm. So it's got like a halo over it, you know, an angel. Democracy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. good for us here. It's got to be good for it's that good country for over there. Those other people, they need to adopt it. Yeah. Oh, that's a great example. I love it. Yeah. And so we have a, a bias towards it because it worked out well mm. here. It, Yeah. That exact thing that mm-hmm. isn't. Mm-hmm. that place right hmm. or maybe you could ascribe it to a person like i met a republican once and he was just the nicest guy and he kissed my baby and he patted my kid on the head and he smiled and he shook my hand and he's got great ideas so all republicans must be mm. good or democrats or mm-hmm. obviously you know in, mm-hmm. insert your whoever uh pastors or you, you know, any type of grouping of people that you could could think they'd yeah influences your opinion in other areas so 
Democracy is a good one. I like that example. Um, hindsight bias, the tendency to interpret past events as more predictable than they actually were. The tendency oh, yeah. to interpret past events. Well, hindsight, events. Yeah, yeah, 2020, for sure. Right. Of course, yeah. of course we saw that coming. Of right. course we knew that was going to be the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Past events is more predictable than they actually were. Yeah. Oh, I knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I was telling everybody. Or, oh, I right. could see that for years that that them printing money was going to cause inflation. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. We all knew that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if they get to it on here. Kind of get near the end here. Uh, there's, a, there's a similar uh, bias. It's a success bias. I'd have to look it up, but it's a success bias and it, uh, similar in the sense that it, when we make predictions about things that come true, we tend to overestimate our ability to predict yeah. things because when they, we make predictions and they don't come true, we don't catalog it. Yes. We like forget about yeah. it. Yeah. So we're like, we I, didn't really make a mistake. Right. Or yeah. yeah. Just, yep. just, it's not part of the data set. Right. In our own mind. So yep. I'm right. 90% of the time on this one topic, well, that's because you're not counting the 50% of the time you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so of course you're right. Yeah. yeah. So I think those two are two that go together. For sure. Like you said, hindsight. Yep. Success bias. Uh, the mis- misinformation effect, the tendency for information that appears after an event to interfere with the memory of an in- original event. Mm. Misinformation effect. I don't know if I've heard of this one before. The tendency for information that appears after an event to interfere with the memory of an original event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that could be hearing about more information about it. And you think you knew how the event happened. And then you talk to somebody else who also experienced that event. And they said, well, here's what was happening for me. And you're like, oh. January 6th. I, that's, a good, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, that's right there. Right. Yeah. As more things come out, more details come I out. just, yeah, I just, I, I think there's, there's definitely one narrative that's pushing as far as it's saying that that is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, more info and uh, other sides communicating that that's what was not happening. And it was because of this. So yeah, yeah I think, I think January 6th for me is misinformation effect is, uh, it's rampant <laughs> point. Yes. Yeah. Right there. Um, because it. it's um, lots of things are muddying the waters of the memory of the mm-hmm. original event with things that have happened in the last two years now, since it or three years now, whatever it has been mm-hmm. details it. that have come out mm-hmm. different expo- and how much, you know, yeah. And uh, arguments and, and uh, quotes and statements and uh, arrests or, right. you know, any of those types of things Yeah, yeah that might've come out in court as right. a result of right. those arrests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I find myself, um, noticing that when they, there may be reporting on the events of January 6th currently that don't take into account all that other information that's come to, to bear since the original event mm-hmm. and it's being reported on as if we're still three weeks out from it and we only had X amount of information. Mm-hmm. I find myself noticing it in that situation yes. when I'm like, but yeah, that was true for then, but we're today is today and we know a lot more since it's, then let's incorporate that literally this in our entire podcast. Yeah. It's like, yeah. uh, let's, let's have a little bit. Well, hold on. Let's, let's slow down. Let's right. have a little bit, maybe different of a conversation about this. Let's work through this, talk through it. Um, yeah. Not just get stuck with the narrative and be unwilling to evolve or adjust it because new information comes to light. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I, I think there's a, a large subset of the population too that would say that that same thing about uh, anything COVID related. Mm, you know, yeah. the masks or chlorochloroquine or whatever. Uh, <laughs> the horse drink. Oh, yeah, a couple yeah. different one of those types of, of things as far as to help it, uh, what it was going to do, what it would do to you if you did that. Same thing with the masks, the vaccine social distancing yeah yeah i think all of that of of it it seems very unusual yeah to not take any new information that we kind of naturally would have after time passes. time passes yeah. to spend and do research and take uh ingest all of the data and the information and stuff of what happened um but it seems like there is 
still a large subset of people that are communicating the same exact message that it was when we were right. in the throes of it without. And so then it, it seems very unusual during those conversations. And I can see why you'd have, you have, we have very hostile conversations mm-hmm. when we're not really talking about the same thing. <laughs> like, hold on a second. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying that maybe this, uh, this horse tranquilizer is uh, ivermectin or whatever. Ivermectin is okay. And then this person is saying, well, no, I, I'm saying that it's not because look at all this information that we have. And they're not like going, well, okay, great. So down. what information we have now right. for it? Let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. Currently. And we still may disagree yeah, after sure. we evaluate the information that we have right now and still, but. And just for our listeners who cued into the fact that I mistakenly said horse tranquilizer and then you said it as well after I had said it, it's a horse dewormer. Yes. So just to yeah. be accurate. <laughs> the horse tranquilizer rolls off the tongue easier, yeah. but I, that's not what it was. Yeah. But we, we know. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, dear listener who was getting ready to send us a message. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> we caught it. Yes. All right. Uh, let's move on to the negative. We're into the ends here. It's just one of them, but the negativity bias the tendency for the brain to subconsciously place more significance on negative events rather than positive ones. Mm -hmm. This one Mm -hmm. jumps out as another sort of survival-based bias that could serve us well in keeping us alive. Yes. Because we don't necessarily get as much value from a positive event as we do from avoiding a negative one. Right. So our brains, it would make sense that our brains would be clued into... Uh, highlighting negative things more than yeah. it would be positive. Things. And even like think, I was just thinking like, even like think about as we move from hunter gatherers to agricultural, mm. it, you might even catalog, you, you might have a tendency to catalog naturally, instinctively where not to put seed more so than even first where to put oh, seed. Interesting. Okay. Right. Like, oh, yeah. don't spread it on the rocks. Oh, don't spread it in the water. Oh, don't do it here. Right. Um, it, even because it's maybe of a, a trial and error process where we don't have the research. You can't just go to Google and go, yeah. oh, I need this type of soil to put this in here. Or TikTok. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or chat GPT. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I th- man, survival is, is a big part of a lot of these. Absolutely. It would be, it would be. And so in our, I think in our world today, why we would call this a bias or why we might think this would be valuable to notice is because we could hyperfixate on negative things in our life that aren't a survival threat. What somebody said about us. Yeah. They're not helpful. Yeah. Somebody said this about us or I was, you know, got stuck in traffic today. Why do I always get stuck in yeah. traffic? You know? Yep. And so we, we, we tend to overemphasize that in and our say, brain. Oh, that's what always happens. To that's me. what I always, always get stuck always in traffic. Stuck in tra- people always do treat me this way. Cause that's all that you're remembering. That's all that you remember because your brain is programmed has developed to highlight that. Mm-hmm. And so that can be a bias where we miss the good things that happen. We miss the, the positive compliment that our boss gave us at work or what our, you know, significant other did for us. Maybe we appreciate it in the moment, but as we reflect on our day, we don't necessarily, those don't stand out as much mm-hmm. as the, quote unquote negative things that happen to us because our brain has been trained. So I, I think in our modern world, that's a, a survival adaptation that doesn't serve us as well as it may have used yes. to in the past. Yeah. And again, we're, we're being theoretical here. We're, you know, we don't know we for don't sure know anything. No, we're stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're just guessing, <laughs> trying to find some order in the chaos. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so perhaps somebody could say, yeah, I do tend to be negative and maybe that negativity isn't serving me as well right. as, it, as it would have 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I don't need to um, put as much emphasis on that. Or if I notice it happening, I can say, oh, silly brain, look at you. You're just focusing on negative things. Here's some positive things that happened today. I'm going to consciously choose to elevate those, give them a little effort, leave a little bit of my conscious energy to focusing on that mm-hmm. on those positive things to help kind of balance out what I know is my negativity bias. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Next one. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I any more to add, but no, that's okay. good. Uh, proximity bias. Proximity bias is the subconscious tendency to give preferential treatment to people that are physically close. 
And then they give an example here, a physical worker being considered for a raise before a remote worker because they're in the immediate vicinity of their superior is an example of proximity mm-hmm. bias. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that for myself and I thought about like my kids, for instance, I love them all the same, you know, the infinite love for each of them. There's no one that I love more than the other. And if, which isn't the case now, but if a few of them moved away or a couple moved away and a couple were nearby and I saw them on a regular basis and we lived in the same neighborhood and helped each other with yard work and I was getting ready to to pass on a lawnmower or get rid of my grill mm-hmm. or something like that. And there's one kid that I just happened to see and it's easy. Hey, here you go. Here's my grill. Enjoy. Versus the kid that lives in far away that I don't interact with very much. It's not because I love the kid nearby more. It's right. just, it's easier and they're nearby and they're at the top of top of mind. And it's kind of like the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Yeah. You know, another version of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not that the kid's asking for it per se, but no, but they're getting your attention, getting the attention. Yeah. Because right. they're of their proximity to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They might not absolutely doing anything nefarious or anything that right. is self-serving, but just, yeah, absolutely. And that's going to make it easier for you to do the thing that's, you know, nice for them. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, another thing to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, recency bias, the tendency for the brain to subconsciously place more value on the last information it received about a topic. Oh, so this is the opposite of the other one. It is. I was just noticing that. That was anchoring bias was the tendency for the brain to rely too much on the first information oh. received when making decisions. And then by contrast, the recency bias, the tendency for the brain to subconsciously place more value on the last information it received mm-hmm. on a topic. I might I might think of that a little bit differently as you're given a bunch of information on a topic all within a short span. And so the anchoring bias doesn't really have a chance because that first thing doesn't have a chance to anchor by itself. Mm. So you get a lot of information and then um, you tend to have a bias towards that one. So here's, here's an example I can think of for that. Uh, There's a game uh, Jackbox game, t-shirts, something. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a it's a game that you can play with a group, and we've played it with our family before, or uh, it's on the PlayStation. But a, you make these t-shirts on your device on your phone, and they're silly t-shirts that have a, a graphic and a, a line, and you blend them together to make some silly saying. Hmm. And then it's a group game, so it goes up on the TV, and they put these two t-shirts up next to each other, and the t-shirts have like a a battle and the battle is which one is funnier and you have to vote for t-shirt a or t-shirt b and if you vote for t-shirt a then it survives quote unquote and goes on to the next round Mm -hmm. and a new t-shirt is introduced and it's like okay do you like the winner of the last round or do you like this new t-shirt better and then you just go through and you see all the t-shirts everybody votes and laughs and at the end there's one one victor remaining and a flaw that one of my sons has pointed out in the way that the game is structured, that the tournament is structured, is that one T-shirt could be funniest all the way along, but you might get tired of it because mm. you've seen it so much. And at the very last round, a new T-shirt comes in that nobody's seen yet, and it's funny and it's clever oh, wow. and you haven't seen yeah. it. And you're like, oh my gosh, that one's funnier. And then it beats the one that that's survived good. all those other rounds yeah. and ends up being the winner. But, but if oh, both of them showed up at the same time for the first time right. you've seen them. Exactly. Yeah. You may not have judged it the same. Yeah. But you've been kind of lulled into a sense of maybe apathy or f- over familiarity with yeah. the first one. Yeah. And so the last one rises up ahead. And so hmm. I don't know if that's exactly what they're saying, but that's a way that I could see that playing out that you, f- you have a bias. And then my son, Zach called it out. He's like, well, that's not really fair for the first one. It didn't do anything wrong. It had to beat a lot of other t-shirts to get to the final round. And then the last one comes in out of nowhere and kicks its butt, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's a flaw. It's not a perfect system. And he's great at finding the imperfections in systems. So <laughs> yeah. uh, but because it was recent, it seemed yeah. funnier or we, we gave it more value or placed, yeah, placed more value on it. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. so Good. just be a thing to notice. Yep. Uh, self-serving bias, the tendency for an individual to blame external forces when bad events happen, but give themselves credit when good things happen, when good events happen. So it's the 
self-serving bias, the tendency for an individual to blame external forces when bad events happen, but give themselves credit when good events happen. Mm, and that's pretty closely tied with the first one, actor-observer bias. It is, it is. It's, it has some distinctive differences as well mm-hmm. um, in that it's more so just about yourself exactly. uh, for it. Um, it's not comparing you to other people. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, I... Yeah, I, I, I think just like that first one, I can, I can see that coming up a lot. Um, I, it almost seems like it, it could have the potential to come up a lot as we progress as a species and in society right now of valuing uh, the self. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so then you value every time anything goes right in your life to then place that the reason that that went was because of you. Um, yes. Um, going from, yeah, evolving, which I think it can be helpful of this path that we're on as far as that goes, but it seems like you could definitely get caught into that mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a little more along the lines of playing the victim mm-hmm. when things don't go your way. Right. It's never, never your fault or it's easy to find ways to blame others instead of it being a result of the actions you took. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that uh, I find inconsistent with, with religion, especially monotheistic religions is that they usually ascribe this self-serving bias to their deity or to their God in the sense that when a good thing happens, praise God, for the good thing and when a bad thing happens well that's just the fallen world and we live in a sinful world yes. or the devil did it or mm-hmm. people screwed it up and that's why that happened so god gets all the credit for the good things but never any of the blame for the bad things mm-hmm. that's a an inconsistency i can't can't square in my head yeah and i and i think it uh, is is in politics as well mm-hmm. with you know thinking of um that it's external forces that are, you know, if you are part of the left democratic liberal side and Mm -hmm. that side is in power and gas prices go up, yes, it's not because of anything that your side did. It's some other external forces that are causing that uh, for it. Yeah. Right. And if your side's in power and gas prices go down, well, of course. Exactly. It was what we did. We we were the ones who were to do it. Yep. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, these are all opportunities to observe them in other people, and I think even more helpfully observe them in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sunk cost effect, or I've also heard this called the sunk cost fallacy, uh, is the tendency for the brain to continue investing in something that clearly isn't working in order to avoid failure. You've heard of this one before? Is this no, no, I okay. have not. Yeah, so it, it comes up a lot in economics. That economic uh, people who study economics, economists, uh, see this all the time. It's probably one of the most prolific ones in the economic world. Is that when we spend money? But this isn't just about money, but primarily about money. We spent so much money towards a project. The more money we spend, the harder it is to pull yeah. the plug. Yeah. If whether it's an investment, whether it's a person, but we think, well, I've already put five hundred dollars into this. What's another two hundred? Even if we know, even if we're 90% sure that the venture is going to fail, mm-hmm. well, I've already invested so much, I might as well do a little bit more. Another classic example would be a, a poker game when you're you're gambling and you start off and you, you there's a multiple rounds of betting and you start betting <laughs> yeah. and you get deeper and deeper into the rounds uh-huh. and you're like, well, shoot, I've already put in a hundred bucks. What's another 15 more? Yeah. Even though you pretty much know you're beat and you can't win the pot, you mm-hmm. feel like there's better reason for you to put in. And I know this, I've experienced it myself. Uh, this isn't just <laughs> theoretical. It, it, you know, if you hadn't put anything in up to that point, and now you're the option to put in 15, it'd be much easier to throw your cards away because you hadn't already invested hundred. Yeah. But you feel like it, you can logic out the fact that it doesn't make any difference. And if $15 is $15, whether I put a hundred in or not, it's still the same amount of money. It just feels more like, I've sunk a cost into this already. The cost is already sunk. I might as well try to get some of that back or all of it back or make it count for something. And we do this in relationships too. I've mm-hmm. invested so much in this person. I've been married them for them for 20 years, even though there's plenty of good reasons to move on. 
I've already spent so much time with them. All that would be wasted. What would people think? Right. You know, so I think it's this, yeah, this impulse that we have to not make our investments, whether they're emotionally, mentally, financially, energetically, time-based, to not make them for nothing, to not have it come out as um, it was pointless. You, yeah, you, it was the wrong thing. The wrong I shouldn't thing. have done that. Yeah. yeah. And what's so what's so poignant about it, though, is that you're actually making it worse by right. continuing. Oh, yeah. But you don't feel that. You feel like it justifies right. all the work you spent to do a little bit more. Uh-huh. Yeah. Whereas what economists want to point out is it's a fallacy. That's why it's called an effect or a fallacy. It's because you believe from a place of falseness, what the correct version of that word would be, um, that if you continue, it's going to somehow make it up or make it better versus just saying, all right, I've spent enough time, energy, money on that thing, person, project, time to bail and move on and just count it as a loss. Yeah. It's harder to do. Yep. I could. That's good. All right. So last one on this list is what's they're called the survivorship bias, the tendency for the brain to focus on positive outcomes in favor of negative ones. A related phenomenon is the ostrich ostrich effect in which people metaphorically bury their head in the sand to avoid bad news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The tendency for the brain to focus on positive outcomes in favor of negative ones. That sentence doesn't make sense to me. Am I reading it wrong or do they maybe miss a word here? Brain to focus on positive outcomes. Well, I mean, if you just take it all as it just is and there's not better or worse. Mm-hmm. We have because of survive. I don't know. I'm just trying to pull this out of my butt. Okay. Survivorship. So then, just saying, like, is it trying to say like f- because we have the tendency to just want to survive, then we are looking for want to focus on the positive outcomes and don't want negative ones. Yeah, I think so. Oh, maybe it's saying to focus on. So maybe you wouldn't even focus on negative outcomes like to avoid the bad news it says for the sand so you wouldn't even want to hear about like starving kids in africa or something Mm -hmm. could that be it yeah yeah that that would make sense i just think the structure of that first sentence is hard to parse out even grammatically like there was maybe a typo or something like there that you know that happens but Maybe. I'm not sure. Tendency what for the brain to focus, so mm-hmm. it's not to want one or the other. It's just focus on positive outcomes mm-hmm. in favor of negative ones. That's the part that's throwing me off. Yeah, I don't know. Being in favor of negative yeah. ones, how that would. It's not really like instead of negative ones, right? That's what I would have expected to see. Yes, or in lieu of, or yeah. in contrast to, yeah. or something like that. But the word favor is kind of throwing me off. There. Again, we're dumb. Yeah, we don't know. So if somebody out there is like you're screaming at us right Send now, us an email. please do <laughs> uh, so we can understand it. Uh, so let's look at the second sentence then. A related phenomenon is the ostrich effect in which f- people metaphorically bury their heads in the sand to avoid bad news. So I, I think that's a little bit easier to yeah. relate to. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you have a political figure that you think is your champion is right. going to save, finally save America. Yes. And people are like, well, what about this, this, and this? And you're like, nope. That's yep. not true. I don't want to hear it. That's fake news. That's blah, out, of, blah, 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 blah. Right, out of context, that sort yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Or a person we're dating, you know, you think they're all sunshine and roses right. and they don't have any any negative effects. And then people are like, well, actually, you should see what they said about yeah. so-and-so at the party last night. Are you sure you want to be? Yeah. Nope. Don't want to hear it. You're wrong. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm in yeah. love. Mm-hmm. I don't care what he did <laughs> a year ago. Or Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. so that might be a, a bias to notice if we tend to be uh, averse to bad news that would cause us to have to change our opinion or our mind about something. Right. We might be, uh, you know, running up against a bias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So we got through the list here. Like we said at the beginning, there's probably others uh, that are on other lists and potentially more to be discovered um, as we continue to understand this thing called the human project. So I think a good sampling, though, of some of the it. more common ones. Yeah. yeah, it's good. All right. Anything else to add? No, not for today. All right. Until next time. Until next time.